Hey, everybody, and welcome. This is season number two, episode number three of Find Your Favorite Place. My name is Billy McOwen. I'm your host. I'm joined again today by Captain Brian Dehart. Captain, how you doing? A little wet, but I'm good. It's good. a hot mess. Out, well, it's not even a hot mess anymore. It's it's about a chilly mess out there right now, ain't it? Yeah, man, it's crazy what's going on weather-wise across the state My right now. My goodness. So, uh, you know, this episode, uh, of course, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about what's kind of going on in the deer woods, and uh, you know, it's we're we're what what's today's date? It's today's the twelfth, twelfth of November. Yep. So we're. You know, coming out of the, I guess, what would be the first couple of weeks of the rut here in eastern North Carolina. And it's just starting to see some things happen out there in uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And, of course, I've I've even seen some pretty nice pictures of some deer shot down there in South Kakalaki. I uh, saw one this morning that was surprising, 22 and a half inches wide. Good grief. You know? Uh, that's not uh, that's not too terrible for the old South State. So. Not at all. Yeah. So, hey— uh, I know I you know I just got back from New Mexico. I went out there with um, one of our brokers, Mr. Andrew Walters, on a hunt at the UU Bar Express Ranch. And son, let me tell you what that was some kind of fun. Holy cow! They have got the critters right now. Um, big old mule deer. Uh, Andrew got uh, his first elk, his first mule deer, and his first pronghorn. Wow! All in about two and a half days. <laughs> So I mean it was it was uh, it was on like Donkey Kong and we we had a blast. Our guide uh, uh, David Konecki is uh, man he was unbelievable. We had a we had a really really great time. And uh, meanwhile while we were gone there was all kind of madness and mayhem going on here in the Deer Woods back in North Carolina. Uh, what stories you got to share with us today about uh, what 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 was kind of going on last week while uh, while I was out of town? I will. Um... I'll tell you a very humbling one, and then an off the wall, just stupid one. So, <laughs> All right, sounds, uh, we had some good. weather. We had some weather, and I actually did some hunting uh, during that weather before it warmed back up again. And and I think right now, what a lot of people are seeing is two, two things, two reasons why the the deer activity and the buck sightings and stuff have really tapered off. The last week has one has been the weather. It got really warm. The last, oh my ten, gosh. last 10 I, days have been I, crazy warm. I mean, I, I come back at 79 degrees during the day oh, in, yeah. in, in early November. I mean, what is that? I'm, you know, I'm ready to go hunting in shorts. That's right. But you also got some deer that are starting to come in into estrus. And so some of the bucks are getting locked down, you know, with does. And and you're just not seeing a whole lot of buck activity. But, um, man, I, I went to— what do, you, what do you mean locked down? I mean, what are they doing? They just—they got them well, a you hot— get a, Yeah, you get a hot doe in a in an area— um, and she may not be traveling very far or whatever, and you'll have a mature buck will get with her. And he's not hes not doing what he was doing, you know, last week when he's walking five miles a day. He's found one. He's found him one. He's got his yeah. new girlfriend, the yeah. new so girl. He, he may be with her for a couple of days. And mm-hmm. then you know, as they continue to come in estrus, and then the bucks, once they quit, they quit that, that pattern of running all over the world, and they start to get to, you know, some hot does, and they'll, they'll rein in a little bit. The bigger, you know, the more mature bucks. They don't have to travel. Like, I mean, the four-year-olds are—they're going. You know, they're covering the world. They're, they're, um, they're juiced up and ready to fight and ready to love and everything else. But the more, the older, more mature bucks, they'll start to get into a, a smaller, condensed area, and um, and the does will basically come to them. 
How about so, that? Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's a lot of what's going on is the weather and some extra stuff starting to happen. I think um, last time I checked, one of the the um, predictions that I saw for this year was that peak estrus, and you know we hunt up there in Weldon, right there on the Roanoke River. Yeah, that's right. And and peak estrus supposedly um, was supposed to be November fourteenth. So I mean we're we're right there at it. And, um, and, of course, now, this weekend, we're going to finally get some weather again for a few days. So we'll probably see see some more action. We'll get rid of this daggone hot weather. But um, after this rain, get some cool weather, you'll see some, some mature bucks start hitting the ground again. There's been a lot of activity. Two-year-olds, three-year-olds, you know, they were responding to rattling, responding to grunt calls. They're doing what they did, tearing up the woods. And, it, yeah. unfortunately, a lot of people um, get all juiced up and jacked up when that dude comes running in there. And they make some mistakes and end up with some ground shrinkage. So don't let that happen to you. No, but, no, uh, I, we, 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 we know that <laughs> we know that happened to some a, a dear friend of ours. Yep. That uh, got got all uh, got all excited when he uh, rattled up a, uh, a a young vivacious young fellow that was yep. fired up and ready to. I don't think he was ready to meet his demise quite yet, but uh, <laughs> he was certainly ready to meet somebody. Yeah, it'll yeah. it'll get you. That's that's a couple of them that's happened like that out there this year. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, two year old deer, ton of potential, gone, lost forever. Gone and lost forever. <laughs> but so let me tell you my story. All right, I, I'm ready. You know, I, I I try to hunt away from everybody. I mean, that's that's my yeah. MO. You and me both. And, I mean, I think it's a good strategy. And I, I, the wind was right. I knew of a deer that I had seen on camera, um, a few times this summer. I suspected what block he was in. Big piece of bottomland out there. And um, and so got the wind, got the weather, got everything just right, and went and sat in there, um, late one afternoon, and I got wrapped up. How late? Well, I mean, just one an afternoon hunt. Okay, so you, you went know, in at what? You, you I know. went in there about three o'clock. Okay. Oh. And um, and sat. Um, this was before the time change though. I got you. Okay. Um, and sat till dark and got wrapped up with deer. The stand is completely exposed, no cover. It's short. And uh, you got to be on your game. I saw enough deer, enough does, enough you know buck activity stuff that I went the next morning. Um, I had a good wind again, and went right back to the same spot. And um, about ten after eight, I looked over my shoulder, and some some does were moving through that bottom land. And um, picked up the binoculars, and I could see tines, you know, just frame walking with those does. About two hundred yards, they were going to pass right beside me. And, um, and when he got, you know, I hit the grunt call trying to get him to stop. I recognized him immediately. It's the one that I was in that block looking for. And I was a big, pretty mainframe eight pointer. And, um, he's a mature deer. I mean, there's no question about that. And he went across that gum swamp, went across the water and I, I rattled, took the rattle bag a couple times. He didn't respond, hit the grunt call. He didn't respond. Well, I told you before that they always respond. It's just whether or not you see them. <laughs> we covered this last time. Did we yeah. talk about this deer? We did. You said they always they always respond. It might not be what you want, but oh, they yeah. respond. So so this deer, uh, he disappeared. You know, 200 yards away from me, he's gone. The does are gone. I'm looking with binoculars. I wait 10 minutes. You know, I'm thinking he's going to show up. You know, mature bucks will circle typically downwind. try to circle downwind. And... I waited, you know, 10 minutes, nothing happened. I picked up my cell phone, 
and I'm texting my brother to let him know that I had just seen the buck that I was in there to see. And whew, he was 60 yards right in front of me, right downwind. He'd come all the way around that gum swamp, all the way up on that ridge, walk down the road and come right down the hill right in front of me. Now, he didn't see me because he'd freaked, but he knew something wasn't right. And so he, he, he blew one time. He jumped a couple times. I pick up the right. Every time he stopped, he was behind the tree. He would jump again and stop behind the tree. And then finally he got too thick. He got, and I had to watch that deer that I was in there hunting. I had to watch him go on. He just walked off. And it broke my heart, dude. It absolutely broke my heart because he, he kicked my butt. I mean, he won. I had an encounter with a really nice deer, one that I would have shot. And, um, you know, you let your guard down too soon, and, and that'll happen to you. When you rattle and you grunt. And then get on your cell phone, look out. Yeah, I mean, I waited. I thought I waited long enough, but obviously <laughs> I didn't. So, well, he did what he was supposed to do. You he know. did. You know, he, it was he, a lesson. I mean, there was a reason why he's old and big, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's something else. All right, so th- th- that's, that's one story. I know you got another one. So the last afternoon I hunted last week, I think it would have been Tuesday afternoon. I had made up my mind I was going to come home, uh, be home by 8.15. At that point, the time had changed. Okay. All right. So um, I knew how long it would take me from the gate to my front door. No stops. No Alligator River Bridge. I know exactly to the minute how long it takes. Uh, gotcha. And, um, and so I decided I was going to get down out of the tree early and walk back to my truck, get at my truck so at the end of legal shooting time, I can start my truck and drive out. And won't disturb anybody. You're not gonna mess anybody. Yeah, and so I walk back to my truck. Um, seven or eight minutes of legal shooting light left. And were you in the woods? I was. My truck was not parked in the woods. But you were in the woods. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, because because seven or eight minutes of legal light is good if you're in a field, but it ain't worth a darn if you're sitting in the woods. Sure, that's right. I mean, I, fifteen minutes after the sun goes down, you're sitting in the woods. If you can see through your scope, you you got a better scope than I do. That's right. You yep. Know? So, but it was where I was. You know, it was plenty open. Um, and you know, when I got back to the truck, and I, my truck, I'd driven in a road to an intersection. And um, and at that intersection, it was plenty open. There was a logging deck beside me. It was plenty open, you know, plenty of light. And I looked, and I saw something. In the, now I've got my door open. My cab, you know, my light over my bed is on. My mm-hmm. door's open, and I'm walking around in those big sycamore tree leaves all around my truck, loud. It's like I heard of elephants walking around. And there's two does walking, they coming right to me. They're, they're, they're walking right to me through the logging deck. And I picked up the binoculars, and I'm like, well, y'all ain't very bright. And, you know, kind of got a chuckle out of it. Still plenty of legal time. Put the binoculars down. Put put my gun in the case. Put my fanny pack. Took my you know my hat off. Took every, Getting ready to go. And I look back behind the truck, and there's a doe walking down the path, coming right to the back of my truck with my light on and me standing behind the truck, putting everything up. I grabbed my binoculars, picked them up, just, a, you know, medium-sized doe. She's walking right to me, but she's got her head down, and it's a steady walk. I'm like, well, that's pretty interesting. Usually that, you know, a deer acting like she was acting usually has one following her. And I did not grab my rifle. I'm still got it in my mind. I got to start the truck and get out of here. And then that big son of a gun grunted about 80 yards away around a little bend in the road. I heard him grunt, and then he walked in plain view 
right in the middle of the road. I grabbed the binoculars as quick as I could, picked them up, and all I could see was frame, and he looked like he was two feet thick from top to bottom. I said, I don't know if I said it out loud or if I just said it to myself, but I distinctly remember saying, that's a giant. And so I threw my binoculars down, pulled my gun back out of the case, put a shell in it, take the safety off, and I'm leaning up against the side of my truck. And this deer's about 80 yards broadside in the road looking at the light You're kidding, on the man. back of my truck. No way. And, and he couldn't see you for the light. I don't know. what He'd he see my truck and the light. I mean, yeah, but he couldn't see you. That's a, a classic deer, deer in the light. I don't know. It was not that bright. But anyway, I'm, and I'm, I'm settling in, almost having to shoot him freehand because I didn't have a rest. And I'm settling in on his rib cage, and he turns and just he turned butt to me and walked right back around the curve that he came from. And Dude. I was like, oh, oh my God, you got to be kidding me! Dude. That's, that's the first, the first legitimate. That's the biggest buck I've seen at that farm since the one I shot that was on the cover of North Carolina Sportsman. How about that? He was a good one. Wow. Yep. So anyway, that uh. That was two close calls. One, I screwed up, and the other one was completely out of context. Out of, I, that was just a freak thing. Well, you know. What, what, it's what the, the rut, though, dude. Crazy it's the things right. happen. Well, you know, when you make a promise to get home, yeah. you know, what would you have done if you'd have shot that thing? You'd have, been, you'd, you'd have, you'd have never been home by 8.15. No, but I already told You already had that had framework laid out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was okay. good. I got gotcha. you. Well, you know, I get back from New Mexico, and uh, I pull in. We, we, we got in, you know, a week ago, uh, uh, Friday, and um, we went. Well, I went right to the hotel. I left the airport and went right to the hotel, spent the night, and got up. I had a mess of work, you know, to do because I tried to keep up with work while I was gone, but you know how that goes when you're out of town. Uh, so I, I, I kind of hunkered down in the morning and got a bunch of work done and took off and went out to uh to got you know got out into the club you know in the afternoon well you know van was out there you know justin them boys everybody was out there so we we all climbed up in a stand you know on saturday night and and uh you know i saw a couple things and and van was down on 12 and he said you know i i he got we got back to the clubhouse he saw he, he, there's a there's a deer down there we affectionately have been calling forky the pig okay forky the pig is about a four or five year old four pointer that doesn't have any brow tines. He comes up, he's got you know He's straight up. I saw him out of that stand the week the week before. Straight up. He's straight up with little teeny forks. Little at teeny the top. forks at yeah. the top. You know, and he's a he's a full size mm-hmm. mature deer. Forky the pig. Well Van says, Well I had you know I had old Forky. He came around, he walked out, he had I I'm 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 perusing the perimeter because this stand as you know looks over a big cutover yep right so you we're, we're he's in there looking through his binoculars at all the nooks and crannies along the edge there and look lo and behold 40 yards in front of him is forky the pig standing there you know <laughs> right, 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 just you know so he uh van's been let me tell you what he's been doing you'll like this of course he had to go he you know he he shot a deer over low ground and uh sunk a dog on using his old bow tech i mean notice the operative word is old right okay uh punched this deer right in the shoulder dog on arrow broke off in it, and junior i mean broke off in it like eight inches broke off in it good grief okay listen to this marvin shoots the deer like 10 days later two weeks really? later yeah and 
you know what's still in it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I said, that was a miserable two weeks for that. That was a giant deer. So, of course, you know, Van can't stand it. So what does he do? He goes out and gets one of those doggone brand new Matthews. And I mean, son, <laughs> son, this thing is nice. So, so he's carrying his rifle and his bow into mm-hmm. the stand, you know, every day, you know, wanting to redeem himself on this deal. So he sees Forky out there. He says, you know, I wasn't going to shit. Because, you know, here's the deal. We get, you know how it is down there. We get one buck. Right. Okay, that's it. All right. And the land manager down there is a sticker. He says, no, 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 no. You know, you get one buck a year and that, you know, you get whatever you, whatever one you shoot, you better be happy with because that's, that's all, because right. that's all you're getting. Okay. Well, I just got back from New Mexico, shot a giant mule deer out there. I've already got a taxidermy bill, so I don't really give a hoot what walks in front of me. And I, he, so he came back and gave me the report on Forky. And I think you had told me that you'd seen Forky. And I, so, so he was a frequent flyer on, oh, yeah. on stand number 12. So, man, I went down there on Sunday, uh, uh, you know, afternoon. All right, now, th- now, now this story's, I mean, it's got a, I got kind of a little bit of wonk in this, all right? So just be prepared for it. <laughs> oh, boy. Because it, it, ain't as, it ain't, as, it ain't as, as easy as it sounds. So I'm sitting there, and, you know, and I, it's, it's 4.30, right? We're about a half hour before sun goes down. I hear this crackling sound, the, the, that, that oh-so-familiar sound mm-hmm. behind you. So I peel over my corner, I look, I turn around, and I say, it's, a, it's Forky. And here he comes. He's just walking. He's walking right through my scent trail. He's walking right through it. He, can't, he has no clue I'm there whatsoever. You know, there's that big tree that's over your left shoulder as you're sitting in that thing. As soon as his head got behind that, I reach over, snatch that rifle, and get that thing <laughs> out and go over. All right, so I'm going to go back to New Mexico for one second here. Uh-oh. All right. So what were we doing the day before we left New Mexico? Long range shooting. You daggum skippy we were. We were down there at the at the at the range. Who didn't want to bring back a full box full of ammunition on the plane because I was already heavy, you know, in my in my bag because I picked up a couple of goodies while I was out there at the Whittington Center, the NRA shooting facility up in Raton, uh, New Mexico, which was a great place to go. I bet. It was. So we're we're blowing stuff up at five hundred yards. Right. So where's where's my turret set? How about seven point seven five MOA? Oh yeah. Forty oh. that's forty two inches. Oh, okay. Just just for those of you that don't want to, you know, do the math real quick. Okay. So thankfully, thank the Lord Jesus that this deer came out at flipping sixty yards. So I didn't have a whole lot of muzzle. It wasn't it wasn't coming up at what I mean, right. you know, it wasn't coming at a ninety degree angle out of the barrel, thank God. So, so I crack off on him. He drops. And I'm like, booyah. And I text her, I text, you know, Van Justin immediately, Forky down. Of course, these guys are, you know, God, you lucky son. You ain't, I can't believe, you know, all this mess. They're giving right. me all this scream. All right, well, I look over. He starts moving, which does not make Billy very happy. Right. So I go to rack another one. When I do, I look down. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this thing's this thing's still set at 500 yards, right? So I got to make that adjustment real quick. And, of course, you know, I finished him off right away. But man, I felt bad there for a minute, I yeah, got to tell you. But if he'd have been out there about 150 yards. That wouldn't have been good. That over. that would not have been good, you know. So so here's the thing that I want to say about all that. This is the message and all that. Man, you know what? I felt good taking that deer. Oh, yeah. I mean, he yeah. was a wonky 
no good for nothing. Four, I mean, how old do you think a deer was? Four or five years old? At least. It, yeah. You know, he had that big old Roman nose on him. He big was old all thick neck. Thick. Yeah. You know, and, and I just said, okay, well, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's, if that's got to be my buck for the year, then that's going to be my buck. I'm getting him out of the herd. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what's wrong with taking management deer out of the herd? I mean, is it are you just a glutton for taxidermy? I mean, you know, is that they ought to add they ought to they ought to add that to the to that should be the eighth sin. All right, glutton for taxidermy. Right, okay, right. taxidermy ought to be the eighth sin because I mean, how much bone does a man need on his doggone wall? You know That's what I mean? Right. You know, so at some point in time you know, and of course, I've you know, I've always tried to ask this, like, like, hey, you know, hey, guys, you know, what if we all, you know, made a decision that we were going to try to take a, you know, a management buck, mm-hmm. you know, out of this herd? Because if you don't, you know, I mean, we've already seen Forky's little son running around because he was seen over at 30 and seen at four. So we already mm-hmm. know he passed that gene along. Oh, yeah. You know, a year genes so. are there. There's no question about that. So look. It, I I was, I'm not going to lie to you, I, I was wildly, I had to hold my tongue um, about some of the deer that have been shot out there this year. Mm-hmm. And the place is too good. It's it's entirely too good, you know, genetic-wise. The whole setup of that place is too good to be shooting two-year-old eight-pointers. Um, you know, obviously, it, it, and it's one thing for somebody to shoot a two-year-old eight-pointer and be so ecstatic right. that they can't stand they it. They can't stand it. Dude, I have no problem with that. Me either. No problem. But, but. There was, a young, they, there was a young man out there that was up in 13, and he killed a nice little eight Tickled point. to death for him. Uh, you know what? For, I, he's never mounted a deer before. Never. And, and that's a that's a very, res, very respectable, mountable eight-pointer. Yeah. And he was thrilled and it to was, death. <laughs> it was quite a bit bigger than the one his dad it, killed. It most certainly was. Yep. And, and I'm sure that gave him extra added pleasure. Oh, yeah. To, to be the man you know, so that when, year. When you got a, a situation where you can only kill one buck and you got you know, I mean, your office is full of antlers, you know. You I got, don't need any more. You know, you don't. Until, you know, you see the right one, you're going to shoot him. When you see the right one, you won't have any problem pulling the trigger. No. But until then, I, you know, the deer you killed was a much better harvest than a handful of the other animals that have been oh, killed oh, yeah. this year. Yeah. If you're interested in maximizing potential on your property. I, I, I agree. And, you know, that's a, a lot of things that property that property owners, you know, they don't do. Okay. And and this is a good topic, you know, for us to be talking about. I mean, sure. Yeah. Okay. So you're in you're in North Carolina, you get in North Carolina, you get two two antlered deer on your tags and you get four does. Right? Right. Okay. So if one of those antler deers that you take is a management buck, you know, at, at our club, I mean, we get one there. That's all we get. Period. Okay, yeah. Period. That's fine. We know that when we go in there. Yep. But if you're on your own piece of property and and you got two two buck uh, tags, I mean, you know, t- take a management deer out. You know, take something that's got the weaker genetic and and do those things i mean some of these big outfits that you see around and i'm talking about some of these high-end places you know that you go to that are these you know these guys and these outfitters they make a practice of it i mean they have got like cameras going year round they know they they they, identify 
They and identify and remove from no question. You know, and so and, there's there's a couple of things. Um, one, you know, mossy oak um, on their mossy oak go app. Yeah, I don't know how far down you'd have to go to tell you find. It. They actually did a study or participated in a study in Texas, where the um, the whole study was revolved around: Can you call out inferior genetics in the wild? And the answer in the wild. In the wild, and the answer was unequivocally: No questions asked. No, you can't do it. There's too many variables. Those genetics are spread too far, you know, because doe, a doe is just as big a, a part of the genetic process as a buck is. But does it hurt? It doesn't hurt to go ahead and start the process of taking out some of those deer. So there's, there's certain genetics that when you look at all those big ranches that they, they remove. If you got a four-year-old eight-pointer with no brow tines, he's out. You got a four-year-old, eight, you got a four-year-old buck that is only an eight-pointer. Unless he's a giant, most of the time they're out. So they're, they're trying to get rid of, you know, they want they want 10 and 12 and 14. They want stickers and splits and all the, the, the cool genetics. Mm-hmm. That's what you want, you know, on your property. And um, let me tell you what you don't shoot. You don't shoot two-year-old eight-pointers in North Carolina. They're rare. Most of our two-year-old deer are three-pointers and four-pointers and five-pointers, you know, little basket racks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But we've, you know, again, we've had one that was like a 16-inch eight-pointer with eight-inch tines, weighed 120 pounds. Those are the ones you don't want to shoot. You don't want to shoot them. You don't want to shoot potential. No. Again, this is all about if you are managing for maximized potential on your property, dude. I grew up hunting on the bombing range over here, Dare County. <laughs> Hey, that's right. Hey, it's buddy, brown, it's down, baby. It, it, it didn't matter. You're not going to manage that place. No. And who cares? You know, we're going to shoot whatever we see. You, you're hunting in Pocosin. You can't manage, you know, Pocosin no. National Wildlife I, Refuge. No. You, you shoot what you want to shoot. But when you have an opportunity on a really nice place. And we do. And we do out We there. do. And there's a lot of great places in East, in, across North Carolina and Virginia and, and oh, South Carolina. That's exactly right. Yeah. You don't have to have a giant farm to do what I'm talking about. No. But it has to be it has to be um, a scenario where you make up your mind that you you know through, through trail cameras or whatever you look at a handful of deer. My opinion about why it was okay to kill that four pointer that you killed is because I've seen him. I got pictures of him all summer. I've seen him this year. I know he's a mature animal. I think he's at least five years old. I, so, I don't disagree with you. He's. I mean, he had. He was. His neck was. I think it was like. Like twenty one inches. No, it was. Th- yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah, I mean, no I'm, I, and I'm not talking at the base of his neck. I'm talking about right up here. Yeah, yeah, he was thick. The afternoon I saw him, it was almost. It was after sunset, and I had hit the grunt call, and when I did, I heard him just crunching leaves. He was coming, and as, I'm like, oh boy. So the first thing I see is the height of that rat, and he's coming through the thick stuff over my right shoulder, and I'm thinking, dude, this is him. Here we go, and he steps into full view. And he's just got two straight up, you know. Looks like a flipping goalpost. I know. Yeah. Yep. And um, so, but you know, to get back to what I'm saying is, from a culling standpoint, you can't look at a two or three year old four pointer and say he's never going to be anything, because you don't know that. You don't know what he's been through this past year. Right. Or he's or he's got one wonky one wonky side, but he's young. I mean, he. Maybe he, got, he got a maybe he got a bug bite or you mean, never you never you know you know it broke off in a you know in the velvet stage when he was first started growing or whatever, 
But if you see a deer for two or three years in a row, and he's the same animal, and you know he's four, five, six years old, and he hadn't changed, take him out. You know, go ahead and, and, and waste a tag on that one, because that's a good deer to remove. Right. But, you know, don't be shooting. It's hard to make a a, a call on a cull, if that makes sense, um, if you're not really good at, at judging the age of a deer on the hoof. Right. And that's where people mess up. Yeah. A lot of hunting clubs are saying, oh, we're taking call bucks. And if you look at their call list, they're, they're, they're you know, two and three-year-old deer. Yeah. You don't need to be not, calling two and three-year-old no, deer. No, You have no idea what their potential is. No. You don't get a good indication of full potential until six or seven years old in eastern North Carolina. So, you know, I've even heard people, oh, a four-year-old, that's all he's going to be. That's bull. And that's, I'm telling you right now, that's bull. You give, and I got pictures to prove it from buddies hunting all over the place that are stringently managing property yeah. that have got deer at four years old that anybody, most anybody would shoot. They passed them at four and passed them at five. And then at six years old, these guys are killing studs in eastern North Carolina. Mm-hmm. They ain't telling anybody. You're not seeing them on social media, but they're killing really nice bucks for, you know, where we live. But it's it's the age is the number one yeah. factor. Did you see the pictures of that deer that Dave shot off number one? Yeah. Now, see, that there's there's a great, that is a great example of exactly what you're saying. That deer was, uh, I think, 19 and a half or something like that, mm-hmm. 18 and a half wide, mm-hmm. and had real, a big, long mainframe eight. Yeah. Okay, long, though. Bladed yep. out there uh, all the way to the end, but but he had these itty-bitty little tines, Brian. I mean, they were they were three and four mm-hmm. inches. I got him on know. trail cam all summer. I, mean, okay. I, I knew that deer. Uh, how old do you think that deer was? I think he's a mature deer. Uh, meaning six. Well, at least four or older. At least four or older. See, yeah. I I thought that deer was was on the decline. I think could have been. Yeah. I think he was old enough to where he was on the decline. He had, a, I mean, he had a big old hump nose, uh, yeah. right? And yeah. he was all tore up. I mean, he was. Yeah. He had he had gashes and puncture wounds and slashes. He had a big old slash under his arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was tore up. He had been. He was a warrior. Yeah. And uh, and I thought I thought That's okay. A great and I, animal. Is a great, great because animal. Because what you get in that deer is you probably get a bully of a deer that's whipping up on, you know, two- and three- and four-year-olds. And uh, even though he doesn't have a tremendous rack, he had the frame of, you know. Oh, he really, was fat. Yeah. I mean, I think he was 185 pounds when uh, when they weighed him. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's, that's a great now, look, I, I mean, if you're from Kansas, 185 sounds like a dressed-out doe. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> But if you're if you're from Eastern North Carolina, that 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 that's thing a, right there is you know you drive it around the back of your pickup truck for a week showing them off. Yeah, that's right. You know, but not not every not everybody not everybody goes into the woods with this frame of mind. Okay, which is what I'm talking about here. You know, which I think is a good message of this podcast is that you know don't just you know what what how much fun is it. To just go into the woods during deer season thinking, oh, you know, I've got to kill the biggest thing. I got to kill Sasquatch. Right. You know, you don't. You know, I, right. I got. You know, I got news for you. That rascal right there, that old Forky the pig, he's down there at Ormond's right now, and I'm gonna have. I'm <laughs> he gonna, tastes the same. He's gonna <laughs> taste the same. That burger. That burger works. That burger's gonna, gonna be tasting just the same as if uh, you know he had twelve points. But yep. you know, hey, I, 
it, it's just a good idea. Look, if you're if you're the owner of a piece of property out there, and you've you've bought a piece of property from us, or you're looking to buy a piece of property from us, you know, it's a good idea to get together. And and, and a lot of times, you know, our guys, we've you know, we've got a couple of guys that work for us. Mr. Andrew Walters, for example, he's he's got a degree in wildlife sciences. You know, he can draft a management plan for you. Like, okay, here's here's what you do to turn this piece of property into into a really good a really good space. Right. And and what does that mean? You know, so you've got you've got areas on on your piece of property that you keep as sanctuaries where you don't go in them. Mm-hmm. You know, you keep it. You you just you just stay out of it, right? Mm-hmm. You create good good passages. Good what we call a sun strip mm-hmm. or a streak. Right where you can plant a little bit of forage, you know, down in there like that. You, you, you know, you look at at at, at having some places around, you know, like creeks and drainages and things like that that you can hang your stands, travel corridors, and and set it up, set it up to be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have this this little section of the property is gonna be safe ground for these animals. You know, here's a good bedding area, here's a good sanctuary area, you know, here's an oak grove or something like that where good food's going to be, uh, you know, and you set up a man. Okay. I'm going to take, I'm going to take, here's an inventory. I'm going to go around. I'm going to go out and you know, look, look at what trail cameras cost. You can go get a, you can go. I mean, I don't know how you are, man, but I, I, I just about, they're just about disposal for, for me. The heck with these $400 doggone trail cameras that I'm going to have a bear swat. That's right. You know, out of the tree. I'll go buy a bunch of those $39, $40 ones, keep them for a couple of years. And when they break, shit, I'll just go buy another one. That's right. You know, you can go get 10 of those. Get them after the season at Walmart. There or, it is. On Amazon or that, you know, any, there of it these, is. any of these big warehouses. That's yeah, right. And go out there and put 10 of them up. And now I, got an, now I know what's on the house. All right. Mm-hmm. Now I can set a plan together. Okay. Because you know how Forky died. Forky died because he got seen. Sure. And there were two or three guys, yourself included, didn't want to shoot him. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm going to take that back because <laughs> he was on my December list. He was? Oh, yeah. I would okay. have killed him this year if I would have seen him in December. I know of two or three animals that I'm trying to kill, so I would not shoot Forky first. Okay. But come mid to late December, I would not have had a problem. You wouldn't have and had a problem. And there's a handful more out there just like him that are old, mature deer that just passed their prime or just don't have any potential. Well, old Andrew's ready to go. He's ready to go to the farm and uh, and give a hand with that. Uh, but anyway, getting back to it, you know, if you if you own a piece of property – Get get out there. Get your trail cameras out. Get a, get some inventory about what's going on. Yeah, know your animals. Yeah. Do the best you can to know your animals. The one of the advantages that you have, Brian, is that you are meticulous about this. Every year, you go into the woods well in advance of the of the season. You're out there in the summertime, okay, mm-hmm. like June, okay. You're putting down minerals. You're putting up cameras. You know. When you go into, like you said earlier, I went into this block of woods that I knew I had seen him and I had him on trail cameras. Well, if you didn't have trail cameras out and you weren't doing all that scouting, then you wouldn't have known that. You'd have just been out there running blind, okay? So going and doing that kind of work, if you own a piece of property and getting your stuff out there and figuring out what you got on hand and where they're located and all that kind of stuff, that helps you put together a plan. I mean, these these really successful hunters that that have great properties, and and some of them are successful uh, hunters that don't have such great property. What they do have is focus and discipline, right? That's correct. They're focused on what they want to do. 
They have the discipline to say no or the discipline to say yes when the time is right. They, they take an opportunity to do a call when it's appropriate and it's the right animal That's right. and it's the right time of year to do it. I was part of this club for a long time, and, and uh, we used to have this thing. They called it December. They never, they never would shoot a doe until December. And I'm thinking, why are you killing does in December when the one that, you, that you're, you're going out there to shoot could be carrying Mr. Rachmaninoff around in, in, right. in her belly? Why in the world would you want to do that? You're, you're killing there does. There are still clubs that are, that are adamant about not shooting a doe until December. Uh, that goes against... From, from, again, I'm not a. You know, I didn't. I'm not a biologist State either. And take biology. No, I didn't. Either. I spend a lot. I, I do a lot of reading. Yes. On those topics. Yes. And the best I can tell from the experts, and just use that term however you want to take it, from the experts is you need to take your does early. October. Oh and God, early yeah. November is the time to shoot your does. And here's the main. It, there's two reasons. The number one reason is because if you remove the does from the herd early. It's less pressure on your bucks and less stress on your bucks come mating season. That's the number one reason to shoot your does early. Right. And that, you know, and above and that's all I needed to hear, you know, because what's the hardest thing on a buck is, is the rut. And so after the end of the rut, if he's been running around crazy, you know, because it is his goal to breed every stinking doe imaginable. That's every buck's goal. That's nature. Yeah. You know, so if you got a crazy out of whack doe, population and then you start shooting them after the fact then you've put him through all that stress that come a cold winter he may not be able to recover from no so do your bucks a favor if you're going to shoot does on your property shoot them early right but number two thing is you're shooting pregnant does and that's I, dumb I, I i agree i never understood it but but i you know so i think you know having a plan having some focus having some discipline Going into the woods to also not only just look for the opportunity, you know, to kill a nice buck, but go into the woods with an opportunity to manage the herd that's available there and and to, to, to make a step in the right direction. If you've done your homework and you've done your inventory, and I mean, you know, shoot, man, a couple hundred dollars worth of doggone trail cameras, a couple of bags of corn and a and a mineral block or something, you can get a pretty doggone oh, yeah. good inventory you know, yeah. around on what you got. I mean, you don't, you don't need to go, uh, you know, you don't got you got to go out there and spend $5,000, you know, to figure out what kind of animals you got. Not you know. at all. And, you know, and an interesting thing is uh, most of your inventory is done during the summer months. Um, but you will, you know, obviously you'll have deer that'll show up in the, you know, come October, November, you'll have deer that'll come onto your property. You'll also lose deer to, to neighbor's properties. And, well, um, yeah, you know, and you can't and you do get, anything about there's that. There's nothing you can do about no, that. No, not at all. Man. But I mean, you know, they're going to move. There is a there's a uh, a guy that manages a a large chunk of land in kind of northwestern coastal plain, that um, that his philosophy, and I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this um qualify this by saying you don't have to have I keep saying large 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 you don't have to have two or three or five thousand acres. Do what I'm talking about. You can do it on fifty acres. You can do it on, you know, 100 or 200 acres or whatever. Um, but his philosophy when it comes to nutrients, water, mass, cover, sanctuary, the whole thing is give them everything they need that they don't have to go 
right somewhere else. Right, just keep them right there. You keep the does happy, the bucks don't have to go somewhere else. Right. And so that that's his philosophy. Is it's a it's a. I uh, think it's smart. Oh yeah. So his food plot plan is pretty jacked up. I mean, he's he's got the prettiest food plots imaginable. Um, but what do you what do you let me ask you a question real quick on that food on the food plot thing? Okay, you know I, I've always heard ten percent. Okay, if you got fifty acres, you dedicate ten percent five acres. You know to Ooh, that's a lot. Okay, to to food plots. Yeah, that that's the rule of thumb. And and Andrew, you know, we, Andrew and I talked about this, and and he said, yeah, you know, that's uh, you know, that's, you know, a good a good goal. Now, you know, if you got five thousand acres, do you put five hundred of it out there in food well, plots? So the, well, so the question, you know. my first question is going to be, how much of your fifty acres is already agriculture? If you've already got agriculture on your property, that should go into that ten percent rule. Well, yeah, of course, and, yeah. and 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 you know how, what what we mostly sell out here, right? A fifty acre block in in what we're selling, uh, you would probably look at maybe thirty to forty percent of it as a potential to be an ag, yeah. the rest of it being in in woods land. Yeah, you know, I mean, where we're from. There's a lot of what what you and me would call man and a mule farms. That's right. Right. Those are those old 40, 50 acre farms that you know a yeah. a, a single a single farmer would tend mm-hmm. literally with an old mule. I'd have a homestead. He'd have woods. You're talking about old school 1800 subsistence lifestyle. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that around, and we sell them. You know, yeah, those sure. 40, 50. Uh, acre blocks, you know, 100, 120 acre blocks, mm-hmm. you know, same kind of deal. 50 acres of ag, road frontage, farmhouse, woods in the back. Yep. You know, usually got some water in those woods, otherwise they'd be farming it, right? Because if they yeah. could have turned it into farmland, they would have. Yeah, back then when they were clearing land, this, mm-hmm. you know, this farmer told me this, you know, a long time ago. He's like, here, you th- think about it. You cleared the land by hand with mules. Um and and you know ox and stuff like that you're clearing by hand. This was before any kind of machines came on the scene, and you're clearing that stuff. You went as far and you planted what you cleared the year before. So you you planted your farm, and then you started clearing a little bit more land, and then the next year able to plant it again. Well, you only planted. You kept clearing until your productivity went downhill. Mm-hmm. When you got to the point where your crops wouldn't grow, that's where you stopped clearing. You know, you know, and a lot of times it was a swamp or it was the rim of a, you know, a swamp or something mm-hmm. like that. But it, it was getting into wetlands. Let me tell and, you what, man. That's when men were men, by God. Oh, my gosh. You know, cutting them trees down. Can you imagine digging out all them stumps by hand, chopping them out? Pulling them all out that with, man, with, with mules with, and with, stuff. Come yeah. on. Yeah, no, I mean, thank you. Shoot, we, uh, we're, we're spoiled rotten. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but, but my, you know, our our point, I think, is, is that... You know, you're you're you got what you got. You can take a section of that. Like like for example, you know, there's I, I love this when I see it is you've got a here it is, it's a it's a, a body of woods and you got you're getting into the field and you have this little and we'll just call it for lack of a better term, a riparian area, border between the woods and the the ag. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times that's covered up that's you know that can be a travel corridor for tractors or or uh, whatever kind of vehicles make their way around the farm fields, like you know, like tobacco farms and you know, sure. cotton, soybean stuff like that. You know, pretty good gap. But 
they'll plant these. They'll, they'll go down there and they'll plant these little these little strips. You know, Ellis did it out there at Mush a couple of years ago. He planted those little strips in sorghum. Yep. Right, not too tall. Little bit of little food source. Yep. Leave a little strip of something in there, and um, and and that's enough. Mm-hmm. The deer will come out. They'll stage in those little areas. You can see them. You know they're coming. Andrew shot that nice deer last year uh, with one. It was over there in that sorghum off thirty seven. You know right. he was sitting there, and that that really nice deer came out. He was hanging out in that sorghum, just having the time of his life. Stepped out. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be here all week. Yeah. You know that was good. So. I like those things. I like being able to to think about like, okay, do I got to take this whole field? Okay, I got a, I got 120 acres. I got 50 acres here. Do I got to plant it all in in right, in, right, in, right. in in quote unquote food plots? I mean, look, food is food. All right. What if I just said, hey, Mister Farmer, here, go ahead and plant this, and I'll give you a really cheap rent. Just leave me a couple of strips along the edge. That's right. You know. A lot, and, people, a lot of people have deals worked out with their farmers where they can, the farmer will leave parts of um, the crop, you know, and that's, and you're either going to pay, so if you got corn growing on your land and your farmer's willing to leave some corn, yeah, that saves all that corn bill from running back and forth to the hardware store right. and buying it, you know, 50 or 100 pounds at a time. That's right. And, um, and, and the deer are more comfortable coming out eating in that standing corn. Um, a lot of times they are coming in to open eat. Um, on a corn pile but you know so back to what you said obviously andrew has a degree in it there and um there's so a a new or an old landowner somebody's owned land for 20 or 30 50 years and they're just wanting to get into the wildlife management side of it there's a lot that you can learn there's a lot available um online uh, magazines you know that I'm telling you, and we're obviously affiliated with Mossy Oak, Mossy Oak Properties, but the Gamekeepers magazine. Oh, man. That is some of the best material year in and year out. That game, a subscription to Gamekeepers is an excellent way to start um, learning what to do, when, how, and where. Um, yeah, it don't matter where you live. I mean, it's not just. Sure. I mean, that's just not for here in Eastern North Carolina. No, 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 I mean, you know, no, that's, they, that's they all through the country, all over the country. That's right. And those guys will answer questions for you. So right. it's a unbelievable resource. Yeah. That you. I mean, you can call right down there, and it's, a lot of times you feel like, well, these people they won't have anything to do. I mean, they're too far removed. You know, whatever they're in their little pockets in the world doing their own thing. I can call down there tomorrow, and talk to the guys that write the articles. For gamekeepers, right, and they'll answer questions for me, right. You know, how do I need to do this? What do I need to do yeah, here? How do I perfect. need to do that? Yeah, right. I mean, biologics they, the same way. Oh yeah, you know, you call down there and talk to the guys that run biologic. You know, all the food plot, uh, the seeds and everything. That's right. And uh, you know, I've I've talked to those guys a hundred times about, and they they got yeah. What to do with all stuff. them turkeys and all that stuff? Oh, like they they turned you on to all that chufa mess. Oh no, I knew about chufa mm-hmm. before I knew about mossy oak properties. Um, the uh, but what they did tell me, this is an interesting thing, is is we've always had in, uh, issues with deer going into um, turnip or sugar beets or you know greens um, when you're planting food plots and you're you're planting sugar beets and you're like, why do the deer the deer don't start eating them until after the season goes out? Then they come in and just mow the thing down and. Um, and I was talking to the last guy that was at Biologic. Jake, we were talking about it one day, and he was like, 
Man, he said, in where you are, from a climato- climatological standpoint, he said you need to be Is that planning. a word? Yeah. yeah. It is now. Yeah. He said you need to avoid the turnips and the sugar beets because those it are can't better. Get, we don't get cold enough for that northern sugar. northern climates. Yeah, that's right. He said you need to be planting radishes, right. deer radishes. And, man, I've recommended that to a handful of people. And Tore it's it unbelievable. They tear it up. They go on it, you know. And so, so see, because those beets and the sugar beets and everything, it's got to get cold before the sugar to rise in them things, they're right? Bitter. Have yeah. you have you ever seen one of them deer roll around one of them things in her mouth? It's like oh, it, yeah. it's like a doggone deer rolling a billiard ball around yeah. in its mouth. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, but well, I mean, so radishes are the way to go. What radishes. about all the brassicas and that kind of stuff down here? Yeah, well, those are those are part of the brassicas, but um, you know, another uh, good food source. Again, the first time you plant something in the fall, if you don't see deer react to it, you got to understand that they probably have never seen it before. Mm-hmm. So it may take them a little while to get, you know, to get accustomed to wanting. Right, to eat they're it. just used to seeing soybeans, corn, yeah. cotton leaves. Yeah, you know, you right. plant you plant chicory for the first time, and you watch deer walk through it on your trail camera, and you're like, what in the world, you know, is going on? But when when you get it fertilized well and limed well, both of those actually help the the palatability which is also a word uh makes it, it more palatable now. yeah and um you know so if, if you're just going to go out there and, and, and disc a few strips down the edge of the field and, and throw out some seed no lime no fertilizer no soil test or whatever don't expect a whole lot of results I got you, you know don't get don't get disgusted with biologic or whatever food plot seed company you're you know yeah. you're Hammer King. you know whoever it is if nothing happens you know the deer don't eat it well because uh, lime and fertilizer make a big difference to whether or not it tastes well to the animals. So what you know, what, let's talk a little bit about nutrition. You know, because you know these these deer that we're talking about here, like a you know two year old eight pointer that's you know eight inches high. You know what what kind of nutrition? Because you know the, look, here's the deal. We got what about another six weeks and we're done, right? Yeah. So. What is it that we can do after this season is over? We got about another week of the rut. Then we may we might get a little dip of some second estrus, maybe around the first of December. But then after that, you know, it's it can be pretty slim pickings around here, you know, in the in the in the later part of uh, of of December and so forth. Uh, but um, we, you know, what can we do once as the season's beginning to wind down? We know what inventory we've taken off of these properties. We know what's left out there. What can we do to make sure that the animals that made it through the season, you know, those those two or three year old eight pointers that weren't mm-hmm. shot by the, some some yahoos coming down from West Virginia, get, you know, got oh, yeah. you know, they yeah. they made it and they 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 escaped. You know, what can we do to set it up so that they uh, they make it through the year? Uh, make it through the winter and 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 you know get, you know we have a chance at them next year. What what's the best thing for us to do? The best thing that I'm aware of is a good mineral supplement to get them started. The end of the winter, the the bucks and the does primarily will go off the mineral sites this time of year. They're not really going to the minerals as much. But from what I've seen the past two or three years is um late late December um. January, they really start. They really start going back to the minerals because they've been depleted. They've been depleted. The bucks are depleted. 
Um, They've lost body weight. Yeah, you know, and, it, and, and you know here, look, it you know you know as well as I do, it doesn't really get cold until January, February, and March. Yeah, yeah we we'll get a cold snap that lasts. Yeah, you know, about that short, long. Yeah, but but I mean, you know, the stress for them is going to come January, February, sometimes even as late as March. Yeah. So they just, you know, it's not like you know they're going through a South Dakota winter. Yeah, okay. No, no. Uh, our, know, our deer are fortunate; they don't have to go through South Dakota winters. No, but they're not toting around, you know, twenty pounds of fat on their back neither. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, they they got to make it through a season where, you know, they're they're a hundred eighty five pound deer. They're not a two hundred and fifty pound deer, uh, you know, and they they yeah. they don't necessarily have the, the genetics, the setup. I mean, you know, the everything. Right. You know, to, a, a harsh winter for our deer is still a harsh winter. You know, even though it might be a mild winter for a South Dakota deer or Kansas deer or, you know, or something. I, sure. I mean, shoot, just go to, I mean, there, look at look at the climate difference between uh, eastern North Carolina and Virginia. Right. I mean, like, through most of where we are, we don't, we don't even get snow, you know, but you'll, yeah. you'll as, you, as you go two or three hours, four hours north up into where Johnny is, you know, they get a foot of snow. Right. You know that's that's going to be hard on on a on a deer up there, and uh, the good thing about our our climates and the areas that we work is that typically nothing lasts very long. You get no. a severe cold snap, and it'll come in, and it'll, you know it'll be blowing and cold, and it'll last two or Look three or four days. Look at this snot we're getting here. We'll be done in this two days. Yeah, and then and then it it starts to moderate shortly after yeah. that. Um, so you said we're going to get some weather here at the end of this week. What are we looking at here? I mean, you're talking about 14th and 15th, right, of November, this Saturday and Sunday. What yeah, are we looking so, at weather-wise? Well, Saturday, Sunday, you'll still have some warm days, and then nights will be cooler. Starting Monday, Monday, the 16th. Monday night, it's gonna it's gonna tell. So you have about four days of highs in the in the upper 50s to around 60, Ooh. and lows in the 30s. There we go. Yeah. So I, can I go ahead and put in my three or four days notice that I'm probably going to be going a couple of days next week. Yeah, absolutely, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand. Yeah. So, but just back to what you're saying a while ago, the, a good mineral supplement, I'm not talking about throwing out a salt lick. I'm talking about something that is loaded with vitamins and essential minerals um, that will help replenish anything that's, that's Yeah, it's missing. like us, it's like us guzzling a Gatorade. Yeah, well... It's like us guzzling a Gatorade mixed with an Ensure, mixed with a, a Mountain Ops, you know. I mean, right. it's, it's all of that. All of that. Yeah. But it's what they need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So that's so here's another interesting fact is that it's not good to just go out there and keep pouring out corn all winter long because that's super high carbohydrates is good for them. Um, for, you know, in that cold, cold, cold or whatever. But once they get keyed in on that's the only thing they're eating, it's actually bad for them. They'll get so keyed in on be, you know, not having to go look for food elsewhere, and they'll just keep coming to the corn pile and, pile and gorging themselves, and that's not good. That's not good at all. Hmm. So there's no nutritional value other than some carbohydrates in a corn pile. It's an attractant, you know, but it's not good for the animals if that's the only thing that they're eating. Yeah. So you got to give them something else to help them help them bounce back. Well, you know, here we are. We we got you know another couple of weeks. It sounds like left, you know, in what would be you know the 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 rut. You know, I mm-hmm. think it's it's on like Donkey Kong up in uh, 
up in Virginia. You know, uh, John and them boys up there have been knocking down some big ones. So that's I think it's just starting to kind of kick in up there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're starting to see some really good pictures from South Carolina. So it's obviously still on. I think we got about another week or 10 days, you know, of it before maybe it starts to you know cut off a little bit. I, we're, I think you and I are in agreement that uh, – the 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 drop in temperatures mid next week are going to raise that activity level back up. Look, short daytime uh, activity. Da- yeah. Daytime activity. Those boys those boys were out there last week. This week, rather, I'm saying last week. This week they were out there and nary saw a thing. It was bad. It was bad. So yeah. So they 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 like they they bolted out of there. You know, last night, and uh, you know I I mean I got lucky. You know, on 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 Sunday with old Forky, but there wasn't anything else going on. You yeah. know, at, at, you know, out there Saturday night there were three deer killed. You know, on th- on Saturday night out there on Sunday night I killed old Forky, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-mm, new, not yeah. a thing. Weather, 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 weather. So you got to understand one thing about the rut: the the does are still going to get bred, the bucks are still going to do their thing. They're just not going in these warm temperatures. Yeah, you know. The, they're the, just not going to do it during the day. You're just not going to see them. No, yeah. they're just not going to. Just see the activity gets so suppressed. Yeah, and most everything they're going to do is going to be at night. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, I think it's a good idea to get out there, get in the woods, enjoy yourself, have some fun. You know, Brian, uh, I think we're, we're we're you know about ready to knock this out. You got any little pearls of wisdom you want to lay on everybody before we leave? No, I you know plenty of plenty of pearls in this podcast when it comes to deer hunting. So. Um, and you know anybody can call us if they've got a question. Yeah, that's right. And I, Brian, what's your telephone number? Two five two four seven three eight six three two. Be happy to talk to anybody. You know, it, the main thing about any landowner: get an inventory, find out what the potential in your area is, and get somebody on your property to show you. Maybe for not a lot of money, but to maybe help you put a budget together. And to show you some easy things that you could be doing differently than you're doing now yep. to help maximize the potential on your property, whether it's 10 acres or 10,000, you know, and we got guys that can do that. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, so the, the big message for, you know, today's podcast is, hey, you know, don't mistake um, shooting potential for management, right? For, yeah, good uh, point. You know, yeah. So, so don't, don't go out and shoot potential. Uh, there's the, that, that's not, that's not the idea. So, um, anyway, you know, this has been a great podcast, Brian, thank you so much sure. uh, for coming. This has been uh, season number two, episode number three of find your favorite place. My name is Billy McOwen. I'm your host joined today by captain Brian Dehart. Brian, thank you so much Absolutely. for thank coming you. in. Yeah, All man. right. Anybody, uh, what's that number again, Brian, if they want to call you two, five, two, four, seven, three, eight, six, three, two. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace out.